The 25th Amendment to the United States Constitution deals with presidential succession and disability. It clarifies that the vice president becomes president if the president dies, resigns, or is removed from office, and establishes how a vacancy in the office of the vice president can be filled. It also provides for the temporary transfer of the president's powers and duties to the vice president, either on the initiative of the president alone or on the initiative of the vice president together with a majority of the president's cabinet. In either case, the vice president becomes acting president until the presidential powers and duties are returned to the president. The amendment was submitted to the states on July 6, 1965, by the 89th Congress and was adopted on February 10, 1967, the day that the requisite number of states, 38, had ratified it. Text and Effect Section 1, Presidential Succession Section 1 In case of the removal of the president from office or of his death or resignation, the vice president shall become president. Section 1 clarifies that in the enumerated situations the vice president becomes president, instead of merely assuming the powers and duties of the presidency as acting president. It operates automatically, without needing to be explicitly invoked. Section 2, Vice Presidential Vacancy Section 2. Whenever there is a vacancy in the office of the vice president, the president shall nominate a vice president who shall take office upon confirmation by a majority vote of both houses of Congress. Section 2 provides a mechanism for filling a vacancy in the vice presidency. Before the 25th Amendment a vice presidential vacancy continued until a new vice president took office at the start of the next presidential term, the vice presidency had become vacant several times due to death, resignation, or succession to the presidency, and these vacancies had often lasted several years. Section 3, President's Declaration of Inability. Section 3. Whenever the President transmits to the President pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives his written declaration that he is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, and until he transmits to them a written declaration to the contrary, such powers and duties shall be discharged by the Vice President as Acting President. Section 3 allows for the voluntary transfer of presidential authority to the vice president, for example, in anticipation of a medical procedure, by the president declaring in writing to be unable to discharge the powers and duties of the presidency. The vice president then assumes those powers and duties as acting president, the vice president does not become president and the president remains in office, although without authority. The president regains those powers and duties upon declaring, in writing, to be again able to discharge them. Section 4, Declaration by Vice President and Cabinet Members of the President's Inability. Section 4. Whenever the Vice President and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments or of such other body as Congress may by law provide, transmit to the President pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives their written declaration that the President is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, the vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. Thereafter, when the president transmits to the president pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives his written declaration that no inability exists, he shall resume the powers and duties of his office unless the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive department or of such other body as Congress may by law provide transmit within four days to the President pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives their written declaration that the President is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. Thereupon Congress shall decide the issue, assembling within 48 hours for that purpose if not in session. If the Congress, 
within 21 days after receipt of the latter written declaration or, if Congress is not in session, within 21 days after Congress is required to assemble, determines by two-thirds vote of both houses that the President is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, the Vice President shall continue to discharge the same as acting President, otherwise, the President shall resume the powers and duties of his office. Section 4 addresses the case of a president who is unable to discharge the powers and duties of the presidency but cannot, or does not, execute the voluntary declaration contemplated by Section 3. It allows the vice president, together with a majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments or of such other bodies as Congress may by law provide, to issue a written declaration that the president is unable to discharge his duties. Immediately upon such a declaration being sent to Congress, the vice president becomes acting president while, as with Section 3, the president remains in office, albeit temporarily divested of authority. John Frick, the principal drafter of the amendment, writes that Congress deliberately left the terms unable and inability undefined since cases of inability could take various forms not neatly fitting into definition. The debates surrounding the 25th Amendment indicate that they are intended to cover all cases in which some condition or circumstance prevents the President from discharging his powers and duties, a survey of scholarship on the amendment found. No specific threshold, medical or otherwise, for the inability contemplated in Section 4. The framers specifically rejected any definition of the term, prioritizing flexibility. Those implementing Section 4 should focus on whether, in an objective sense taking all of the circumstances into account, the President is unable to discharge the powers and duties of the office. The amendment does not require that any particular type or amount of evidence be submitted to determine that the President is unable to perform his duties. While the framers did imagine that medical evidence would be helpful to the determination of whether the President is unable, neither medical expertise nor diagnosis is required for a determination of inability, to be sure foremost it was a physical or mental impairment. But the text of Section 4 sets forth a flexible standard intentionally designed to apply to a wide variety of unforeseen emergencies. Among potential examples of such unforeseen emergencies, legal scholars have listed kidnapping of the president and political emergencies such as impeachment. Traits such as unpopularity, incompetence, impeachable conduct, poor judgment, or laziness might not in and of themselves constitute inability, but should such traits rise to a level where they prevented the president from carrying out his or her constitutional duties, they still might constitute an inability, even in the absence of a formal medical diagnosis. In addition, a president who already manifested disabling traits at the time he or she was elected is not thereby immunized from a declaration of inability. The principal officers of the executive departments are the 15 cabinet members enumerated in the United States Code at 5 U.S.C. Section 101. Secretary of State. Secretary of the Treasury. Secretary of Defense. Attorney General. Secretary of the Interior. Secretary of Agriculture. Secretary of Commerce. Secretary of Labor. Secretary of Health and Human Services. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Secretary of Transportation. Secretary of Energy. Secretary of Education. Secretary of Veterans Affairs. Secretary of Homeland Security. Acting secretaries can participate in issuing the declaration. If the president subsequently issues a declaration claiming to be able, then a four-day period begins during which the vice president remains acting president. 
If by the end of this period the vice president and a majority of the principal officers have not issued a second declaration of the president's inability, then the president resumes his powers and duties, but if they do issue a second declaration within the four days, then the vice president remains acting president while Congress considers the matter. Then if within 21 days the Senate and the House determine, each by a two-thirds vote, that the president is unable, then the vice president continues as acting president, otherwise the president resumes his powers and duties. Section 4's requirement of a two-thirds vote of the House and a two-thirds vote of the Senate is more strict than the Constitution's requirement for impeachment and removal of the president for high crimes and misdemeanors, a majority of the House followed by two-thirds of the Senate. In addition, an impeached president retains his authority unless, and until the Senate votes to remove him or her at the end of an impeachment trial, in contrast, should Congress be called upon to decide the question of the president's ability or inability under Section 4, presidential authority remains in the hands of the vice president, as acting president, unless and until the question is resolved in the president's favor. Historical Background Article 2, Section 1, Clause 6 of the Constitution reads, In case of the removal of the president from office, or of his death, resignation or inability to discharge the powers and duties of the said office, the same shall devolve on the vice president, this provision is ambiguous as to whether, in the enumerated circumstances, the vice president becomes the president, or merely assumes the powers and duties of the presidency. It also fails to define what constitutes inability, or how questions concerning inability are to be resolved. The 25th Amendment addressed these deficiencies. The ambiguities in Article 2, Section 1, Clause 6 of the Constitution regarding death, resignation, removal, or disability of the president created difficulties several times. In 1841, William Henry Harrison died in office. It had previously been suggested that the vice president would become acting president upon the death of the president, but Vice President John Tyler asserted that he had succeeded to the presidency, instead of merely assuming its powers and duties, he also declined to acknowledge documents referring to him as acting president. Although Tyler felt his vice presidential oath obviated any need for the presidential oath, he was persuaded that being formally sworn in would resolve any doubts. Accordingly, he took the oath and title of president, without any qualifiers, moved into the White House and assumed full presidential powers. Though Tyler was sometimes derided as his accidency, both houses of Congress adopted a resolution confirming that he was president. The Tyler precedent of succession was thus established and subsequently Millard Fillmore, 1850, Andrew Johnson, 1865, Chester A. Arthur, 1881, Theodore Roosevelt, 1901, Calvin Coolidge, 1923, Harry Truman, 1945, and Lyndon Johnson, 1963, were all deemed to have become president on the death of incumbent presidents. Following Woodrow Wilson's stroke in 1919, no one officially assumed his powers and duties, in part because his condition was kept secret by his wife, Edith Wilson, and the White House physician, Carrie T. Grayson. By the time Wilson's condition became public knowledge, only a few months remained in his term and congressional leaders were disinclined to press the issue. Prior to 1967, the office of vice president had become vacant 16 times when the vice president died, resigned, or succeeded to the presidency. The vacancy created when Andrew Johnson succeeded to the presidency upon Abraham Lincoln's assassination was one of several that encompassed nearly the entire four-year term. In 1868, Johnson was impeached by the House of Representatives and came one vote short of being removed from office by the Senate. 
Had Johnson been removed, President pro tempore Benjamin Wade would have become acting president in accordance with the Presidential Succession Act of 1792. After several periods of incapacity due to severe health problems, President Dwight D. Eisenhower attempted to clarify procedures through a signed agreement with Vice President Richard Nixon, drafted by Attorney General Herbert Brownell Jr. However, this agreement did not have legal authority. Eisenhower suffered a heart attack in September 1955 and intestinal problems requiring emergency surgery in July 1956. Each time, until Eisenhower was able to resume his duties, Nixon presided over cabinet meetings and, along with Eisenhower aides, kept the executive branch functioning and assured the public the situation was under control. However, Nixon refused to use the president's office in the White House or sit in the president's chair at cabinet meetings. The text of this podcast is sourced from the Wikipedia Foundation under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The written text has been altered for voice presentation. To view the modified and original text versions visit thelegalpages.com. The content of this podcast is presented for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be legal or professional advice. The Wikipedia Foundation is not affiliated with this podcast.